Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, Chris Evans here with this week's star-studded edition of the Best of the Breakfast Show podcast with Sky from Virgin Radio. Coming up, legendary Boomtown Rats frontman and co-founder of Live A, Bob Geldof, chats about the fact that he's now 70 years old. Plus, a little chinwag about out the back of Boomtown, their brand new Boomtown Rats EP. Petrolhead Richard Hammond discussing his brand new Discovery Plus show, Richard Hammond's Workshop, the forever funny Ramesh Ranganathan, tells us about the return of BBC Two's The Ranganation. Plus, his old mucker Rob Beckett dives deep into his brand new autobiography. Well, it's more of a memoir, really. A class act. It's very good, very funny, very honest, very vulnerable, very endearing, very warm. I liked it a lot, can you tell? All of that and so much more to come down. Dave, do tell us who's the first guest. From punk rock roots to changing the world with one of the most celebrated gigs of all time, he's been there and he's done it. The brand new Boomtown Rats EP, Out the Back of Boomtown, is out now. So please welcome the man about Boomtown we all know and love. It's Sir Bob Galdoff! Good morning, Bob! Good morning, Chris. Right, how does it feel to be 70 years old? Totally weird. (laughs) I don't mind it. I don't mind being any age I've ever been. I don't want to be 20, 30, 40. Uh, I don't mind being 70. It's just when you say, Bob, what age you... Uh, 70. It's, 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 and then worse is today, Bob Geldof is brackets 70. You kind of go, that's so old. That is, that's me, you know. But it's funny, isn't it? Because it seems like you're pretending because you just don't see me. You don't look it. You don't move like... I don't know what that means, by the way. I don't know why I'm judging other 70-year-olds by, by the fact you're not like them or whether just 70's different. We had Roger Daltrey at Carfest this year. He's 78. He smashed it. He didn't save his energy for the stage. He was like that backstage. He was like that during the show. He was like that after the show. You know, the Beatles... Remaining Beatles, you know, Paul, he's touching 80 now. Yeah. Um, so you are a spring chicken compared to those guys. But, you know, it is strange, isn't it? It is. Is it, is it, uh, is it where we are? Uh, do you know, have 70 year olds in the past felt like this or is this a new thing, do you think? Uh, it, it, just different circumstances, I think. Like people say, but you know, you, you know, you, your dad when he was seventy, he wasn't doing the same. I looked at a picture of my dad um, the other day, just fell out of an arm or something, and he was sixty-eight, I think, when the picture was taken. And I remember being with him, and uh, we went for a, a walk up in some hills, and I said, "Are you okay, Dad? Going for the walk?" And of course, that was two years younger than me now. And he said, "What's wrong with you? Of course, I'm able to." I don't think so. I think the opportunities for people say, uh, uh, 50s, 40s and the 30s was just not there. They couldn't travel to another country. They couldn't move jobs. They couldn't do this, that and the other. So they appeared to us in our houses when we were kids to be so old, etc. I'm probably so old to, to my kids and thing. And the reality is, I am that age, you know, but I'm in a game, I'm in pop music and we're bringing, we bring out a record, we do the Palladium on, on Thursday and that's just what I've been doing for so long. It's just like a, con- a continuation of when I was 20, you know. So, because it, there's, there's now a seven and a zero, yeah. uh, you know, and for the last um, ten years there's been a six and a number, start yeah. off with the six and zero, we'll go six yeah. and nine. Um, did that... Fit, that 
that felt completely different. This is a, a different world from a psychological uh, point of view. The finishing line is very clear uh, at this point. Um, uh, well, more got, than at 69, 69 and 364 days. No, I prepared days. for 70 by at 69 saying I'm 70, but you can prepare all your life. <laughs> Come the morning last week when I woke up and I just thought, that's... All I thought was that's mad. That was great because I, there were people on the radio saying that and there were messages coming in. So Sting is the same age as me. He's a day younger. He is not. He is, yeah. Oh, my he's, he, he's my sort of... And he makes a point of being my older brother. Right. All our life, this guy who has left me choking in his golden dust, you know, what's it goes on about being... The, so we are told, so what are we doing this year? Because we usually go out and do something. And he said, oh, I'm playing the Acropolis. Excuse me? Yeah, I'm playing the Acropolis. Because it makes so, him so, feel young. Well, you know, he's always thought he was godlike, so now he's actually just inhabited the house, you know? So, and I said, he, he said, uh, what are you doing the day after your birthday? And I said, uh, I'm, I'm rehearsing for uh, the Palladium, the London Palladium. And he said, oh yeah, I said, because if you want to come over, because I'm doing the Pantheon. Now, ladies and gentlemen, the Pantheon is where the heroes of France are buried in the middle of Paris. So he does the Acropolis and then he does the Pantheon. Yeah, yeah. And obviously the Palladium is a far greater, more legendary gig than either <laughs> the Acropolis. But uh, it's annoying. He's a very annoying person. So that sort of got me over the hump of being 70. Now, so you've, you are, you know, you're one of the world's um, um, most illustrious rock and roll stars. But how rock and roll has your life been? I'm suspecting not that much, you know, as far as, um, you know, the sex drugs and rock and roll side of it. Because mm. we've never really had this conversation. I've seen you at loads of parties. You Now and again, you have a glass of wine. Usually not at all, not anything. I mean, as, as that, speak to that if you don't mind for a second. Um, in the whiz bang days, when you're on the make, uh, absolutely. I mean, um, so it, it really is a young person's game. I mean, you know, if you're kicking off, you've got to be in your early twenties, uh, girl or boy. Look, I'm very, I'm very lucky really lucky I don't have the addictive thing so I smoked a bit when I was a kid knocked it on the head just said I'm not doing this anymore and I stopped Uh, I love red wine your point about 70 is well made I've got more books at home than I'll be able to read in the rest of my life I've got more bottles of wine at home than I'll be able to drink in the rest of my life because to your point I'm good you know I'll do a half bottle uh, a night probably Um, but not that often so, uh, you know, I say every night, but I go into a thing where I just want to drink wine, then I don't. So, yeah, I'm lucky like that. I've never been, I like Guinness, but, you know, to a point. Uh, I don't go to bed early or anything because, as you know, Chris, I'm a global international mega rock star. So morning is simply a construct to me. I don't believe I'm up at this time. Everything is a construct anyway. So it's, 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 it's weird. I've been around, obviously, as you know, uh, people who are addicts and um, people in rock and roll and stuff like that. But... Uh, you know, there was a time when I was the arch ligger. I mean, the papers had just said, there's Geldof again at yet another party. But I just like hanging. If you want to go and watch Bob and the band, the Boomtown Rats, official.com is where you need to go. Great to see you again. Happy birthday. Thanks, man. You're always welcome. Thanks, dude. That's the deal. Here we go. 
The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. You may recognise our next guest if you've ever watched a television. His new show, Richard Hammond's Workshop, is available on Discovery Plus via SkyQ from Monday. And here to tell us more is a man who's taken to breathing new life into old cars. It's the motorhead boy, Richard Hammond! Good morning, Ooh. Richard! <laughs> Ooh, I like that. Actually, I've taken to breathing through my left nostril to yeah. try and focus. Oh, he's been, he's been listening. I like yeah. it when people pretend yeah. to listen to yeah, the show. I, it's great. No, I've gone giddy. It doesn't work. doesn't work. Okay. Maybe, maybe in the other way around, Rich. Yeah. 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 All right. No, right is to be creative or something. So, but anyway. listen, I was winging it, pal. Are you making it up? Yeah, we've got three and a half hours to fill air every morning. You should try it, honestly. Actually, you should try it. They'd love you to come and work here. Would you... I have tried it. I remember the feeling. I used, to, I used to fill four hours when BBC went all speech. Yeah. And it was like one day. So instead of going down with your box of records, you went down with a piece of paper and thought, oh, I've got four hours ahead of me now. What am I going to rattle yes. on about? And, yes. and, and I can hear you, you cover that quite easily. Yeah, really. OK. Thank you very much, yeah. Richard. Morning. So, How uh, are you? Morning. Very well, pal. Are you talking just from your workshop or from the kitchen we see in your show? Where, where, where are you at the moment? I'm completely honest. For the first time in, like, forever, I'm talking from a hotel room because I'm staying away because I'm working. I do my day job because i still got to do my day job because thus far my workshop is failing to support me or in any way, what, I seem to be supporting it. Right. Um, so I've still got to go to work. So, so tell us. And then go back to work. What, what is, does the day job involve at the moment? And are the other two scruffy urchins part of it? <laughs> Thanks for scruffy urchins. I love that. And I love you for it. Day job is I'm doing a, a show that I've just managed to do with the TV stuff. But my day job really is the workshop, which it's a real thing. It's genuine. It's proper. It's grown up in a business and everything. Because it's, it's, I set it up because. Um, my grandfather was a coach builder. He worked at Mulliners in Birmingham. That's when they used to build cars out of like wood and metal and everything. Really mm. clever stuff. Um, I inherited none of his skills at all, but quite a lot of his enthusiasm. It's kind of the, the root of why I like cars. So I've always thought I want to do something proper. Rather than be rude and try to be funny about other people's work, I wanted to put my own out there. And then when Neil and Anthony, the two guys who restored my cars, father and son, they're just utterly brilliant had been restoring my cars for years they were going to lose their workshop um and i said that's a tragedy well i can't afford to employ you to work for me i'm not jay leno so why don't we set up a business together so we set up a workshop together and then i thought wait a minute that might make a nice little telly show and i think it has so that's what we've done so comparatively you got clarkson's farm and hammond's workshop right yeah let's have a look at that let's have a look at that uh, that to and fro what do you think yeah yeah, oh they see i'm uncomfortable with that because I didn't know he was doing his farm thing. And I didn't, he's got an enormous great farm in oh, yeah. the Cotswolds. Yeah. And I've got a little pokey shed outside Hereford. And we're not, you know, we're not, we're not there's, there's the, honestly, and you're going to laugh, I know you're going to laugh. There's no competition. It's not a competition. Because, well, I'm never going to compete with that. I'm not Jeremy, am I? I'm, it's just little me. So it's not, it's, it's not going to be a big, noisy show. Like, he's a rather brilliant farm show, actually. And I have to say, he's fabulous. I oh, know, it is um, doing great I, business. Have you been I to take, the farm? I, I take I texted him the day after it launched. Oh, mate, it's brilliant. I'm trying to text with gritted teeth. Yeah. Um, but it is fabulous. Um, I have been to his farm before. It was a, a famous television farm. <laughs> what was it like pre-fame? Um, pretty much like it is in the show. I mean, the, the thing is, it's a genuine thing. You know, it is a real passion. That's, that's the point. Both what he's doing and what I'm doing are rooted in a genuine passion. And, and I certainly I, he would be doing, I would be doing my workshop anyway. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, the workshop 
came before the TV show about it. Um, okay. So, well, yeah. I, see, you know, we both seen. I established the... my genuine credentials there. I yeah. think I have. No, we've both seen off the same hymn sheet because classic cars is where I, I live and breathe. I love it. I love yeah. it. I love it. Of course, I do. Um, one car, one classic car. If you could only own one, not that you have already. Ultimately, what would your your dream classic car be? Um, don't say that I have already. I had to sell a load to prop the business up. <laughs> It was absolutely heartbreaking. Um, I still would like... Uh, uh, can I have two? Um, OK, you can have three, actually. Okay. Why don't you have three? OK. Um, I'd like a Lamborghini Miura, because it's the only supercar I'm really interested in. Yeah, and it's, and it's um, stunning. The best-looking car ever. Well, it kind of is, isn't it? Um, I, probably would, I probably would have a, a 61 early flat-floor E-type Jag, but I'd have a, a hard top. Now, I've got a Roadster, but I'd have a hard coupe, yeah. um, because they're breathtaking. Um, and then for my third... Um, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I might go... It's such a broad spectrum, isn't it? I might go American with something, yeah. or I might go... I tend to end up always choosing British cars. I, I would like a Bentley Continental with okay. proper old antibodied. Very nice, very nice. Okay, that's super cool. Uh, so, in the first episode of the show, and we've all seen it, we, we see you at home, uh, we see you have dogs, we see uh, Min yes. has uh, horses, ponies? Uh, what are we talking about there? Yeah. Well, anything with four legs, really. Okay, all right. Any, anything to put me another notch down the pecking order. And, and you I do, come after everything. And you do begin the show with saying, you know, normally I'm like a Rolling Stone. Literally, you like, like the Rolling Stones. You, you know, you've lived more away from home than at home. Um, and, you know, yeah. you, you might get sort of, um, you, you might feel a bit fidgety, a little bit itchy, a little bit restless. Um, not unlike your family, I would imagine, because as you're not used to being home, they're not used to having you at home. <laughs> and how has that dynamic rolled out over, say, the last 18 months? Yeah, well, it's been interesting. I'm sure it's, it's probably affected a lot of people, um, man or woman, if you're away working a lot, living out of a suitcase, as I have been for oh, 25 years, really, to suddenly appear home. Yeah, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. They're quite pleased that I'm getting busy again there, mm. I think. Mm. Um, but it's been great fun. It's been, I, I've loved being able to work from home. And I don't mean like, you know, do the work at home, but travel to and from home in the same day. Um, that's been amazing. So I saw in my garden trees that blossom. I've never seen them in blossom before. I ran back into the house. Man, the trees have got all pink. What's yeah. happening? Happens all the time, they... Richard. <laughs> I didn't know I was going to be there. I've never seen it happen. So it was, it's been amazing to be home and actually to, to connect with the place where I live. Cool. Which sounds a bit nonsense, but it's true. All so, right, Carl. Well, it's great to talk to you. Um, here we go. Uh, let's mention it again. Richard Hammond's workshop. It hits Discovery Plus on Monday. Cheers, Rich. See you all soon. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's your friendly neighbourhood stand-up actor, podcaster, writer and presenter that just keeps delivering the goods. Series four of his award-winning The Ranga Nation continues this Sunday at 9pm on BBC Two. So please welcome a man so in demand, search parties get sent out when he's not on the telly. It's Ramesh Ranganathan. Good morning, Ramesh. Good morning. Hello. Thank you very much for having me. Now, Ramesh, we're talking about uh, The Ranga Nation continuing with episode three, BBC Two, Sunday 17th of October, 9pm. It's a great night for it. You know, it's the old That's Life sort of slot. It's on the other channel. It's an hour later. But it's that kind of, you know, it's the it's the end of the weekend. It's it's bath night. for a lot, We used to call it bath night Sunday night. And we're reconsidering mm. our, our take on the world. Is that the kind of, is that one of the reasons it's where it is? I think so. I mean, th- that's that's Life is an interesting comparison. But that kind of energy, I think. is. But the truth is, is that we kind of... Um, it's changed a lot since we first started doing it. Because when we first did it, it was the Ranganation were in the studio and we had a big studio audience and it was quite massive. And actually, for a Sunday evening, that felt a little bit um, 
it sort of felt quite big, you know. Mm. And then and then because of lockdown and we moved the show to my garage and then everything was on Zoom and it's kind of stayed with that. I mean, it hasn't stayed in my garage, but it's kind of stayed with that vibe. And I think that's it does feel very Sunday evening. I think that it, it does suit it more like that. So, yeah, and it's um, funny, isn't it? Because when we have guests on the show on the phone, right? Because people yeah. say, you know, obviously, oh, they can't come in, you know, they're on the phone. I say, I don't mind because it gives it a different energy. And also, you know, if they're on the phone, I mean, I prefer people to be in because we can have a right laugh. But if, if people are on the phone, they're busy doing something and we get a bit of that juice as well. And because you, yeah. because you, the Runga Nation uh, now is, you know, via Zoom, you, it's, it's, there's, a different, there's, there's a different plus to that situation. There definitely is because, you know, when we had the Runga Nation come into the studio, they were, they're all great and, you know, they, 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 all do, they all have their own sort of style and way of, of, of talking about things. But they're obviously in a studio. Yeah you know, they've got an audience in front of them. And so what happens is, is you start editing, you know, you can't help it. You start thinking about playing to the room and they just don't do that when they're on Zoom. When they're at home, they're more comfortable because they haven't had to leave their house. They're they're not conscious of the fact they're on TV. And so they just say what they think. And I think the show, I think that they're, they're better as a result, actually. And it might get to a point where, I don't know, one day in the future, we get to a point where we bring them back in the studio and they're comfortable like that in studio. But I definitely think they just, uh, the, the energy is different when they're at home. And I think it leads to, it can lead to better discussion, I think. Sophia, who works on the show um, on Mondays, but to Rachel's off uh, for a couple of extra days this week. So Sophia's on the show. She loves you. Can she say hello? Yeah, of course. Hello, Sophia. Hi, Ramesh. How are you? I'm oh, very good, thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, not too bad. We are pretty obsessed with you in my house. Oh, really? Say. Me and my two housemates, Rachel and Vicky, we have Rob and Ramesh versus on repeat. Um, and when I told the girls that you were on the show today, they're no longer speaking to me, actually. <laughs> well, that's so, very nice. Thank you very much. Oh, I appreciate it's, it. It's brilliant. It has us really, really laughing. And we also love uh, the Ranganathan. And we, uh, we love the best bit is your mum. She's fantastic. Yeah, she's uh, she's uh, she's beca- she's just a breakout star. It's, um, <laughs> it's something I've just had to come to terms with. Initially, it was difficult to process, uh, but I, I've actually got to apologise to her because um, she on the last week's show. I don't know if you saw it, but I um, she she used the word decoction for <laughs> yes, right, and and I and I assume that she meant concoction i was quite smug about it anyway <laughs> yeah the long and the short of it is is decoction was the correct word so uh somebody messaged me to say that actually you've got it wrong and she's got it right so i've got the first thing i'm going to do on next week's show is apologize to her but it's been pretty I, I i it's it's pretty embarrassing <laughs> i was do you know that do you know the saddest thing about it as well i was so smug I was so smug. I was looking around. I was looking. We had Nadia Hussein and John Richardson. I was looking at them and laughing. And oh my God, she said decoction. She's so <laughs> foolish. I made a joke about it. It's so embarrassing. Just layering egg to be dropped onto my face in the next week's show. Yeah, but also, couldn't. you know, the director didn't know. The vision mixer didn't know. No, absolutely. Didn't know. absolutely yeah, so yeah. why don't you do a team apology? Why don't you do like a live aid, the live aid of apologies? <laughs> I might just I might just bring out the whole team. Yeah, do that, man. On, onto camera and just get them all. You know, because it's not just me, yeah. is it? We I are we sorry. We are sorry. <laughs> we are sorry. Rangan's mum for decoction and not concoction. We are sorry. Rangan's mum. That was beautiful. Thank you very Thank much. You. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, so, Bradley watches on the telly all the time. 
Right. Greg Dave's yeah. on the telly all the time. And I don't mean this in a, I think in a brilliant, brilliant way. And you're on the telly a lot as well. And the, mm. the thing now about telly is but because it's so broken up in as much as we can watch what we want, where we want, how we want, um, mm. you know, mm. with whom we want. You can do so many things. And Greg's Greg's got a sitcom going on. He's got a couple of panel shows going on. He's hosting, never mind the Buscocks now, he's hosting Taskmaster as well. And then Bradley Walsh is hold, hosting two game shows, one on ITV and one on BBC. Blankety Blanks Black on BBC with, um, with Bradley. And he's got The Chase, obviously. And then he's in The Darling Buds of May, He's in, yeah, with the Larkins. He's also in Doctor Who. And this is fun now, isn't it? So we had um, Sophie Ellis Spectron yesterday talking about her new book, Spinning Plates. You are, there's a lot more spinning of teleplates going on. What is it like in that world now? Because it was completely different in my time, uh, Rang. Mm. You know, we were often golden handcuffed to one channel or another. Not that it mattered or yeah. we minded, but what it, yeah. what, what's it like? Well, I don't know. I, I sort of, People sort of say to me, oh, you're working really hard, you're doing loads of stuff and blah, blah, blah. But I... I just don't, um, I just really enjoy all of the different things I'm doing. So I don't really feel that busy, to be honest with you. I kind of, uh, I kind of move from thing to thing and I, and, I, and I love it. I do sometimes ask myself if I'm doing this because I'm driven by imposter syndrome or something like that. Or I'm yeah, just yeah, worried yeah. about that. that. You know, like you, you sort of, you do find yourself sometimes questioning your motivations for doing it. But every single show I do, I absolutely love. And I think I, I'm not motivated by anything apart from thinking the show's great to do it. So then, so I, I, I sort of comfort myself knowing that, but it's just fun. It's fun trying all these different things, you know, doing a bit of acting, doing a bit of presenting, then you do live stand up. All of those things are, I feel very lucky to be able to do all those things. That is uh, Romish Ranganation talking about the Ranganation. Uh, continuing with episode three, BBC Two, Sunday, 17th of October, 9pm. And Rob will be on talking about Romish versus, Rob and Romish versus um, season whatever it is. And League of Their Own, uh, season 16 is going on. He's all over the telly because he's amazing, is what he is. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. He's an award-winning stand-up that's moved on up. His new book, A Class Act, Life as a Working-Class Man in a Middle-Class World, is out now. So please welcome the upwardly mobile master of mirth. It's the real class act, Rob Beckett. All right, Rob. Morning. <laughs> Very excited to be here as Congratulations on writing this book. Oh, thank you. Yeah, because I actually <laughs> have written it to those people who think I had a ghostwriter. I did it myself. All me. It's so funny that you start with defence. Yes, um, 100%. <laughs> Because it's a book of defence, isn't it? Is, it? I don't, I don't, not so much defence, but more explanation. I Mi- think. It's mitigation and explanation, yes. justification, yeah. and other Asians and reassurance. Yeah, is what it is. Um, the first half, it basically, he writes about what it's like to write a book. Yeah. <laughs> no, not the first half of the first chapter. You're astounded, aren't you? You're astounded because you talk about not really reading that much. And now you're writing a book. I didn't want a a ghostwriter because a lot of my heroes growing up were sports stars and normally they're ghostwritten and stuff like that which is fine if that's what they want to do but I felt like I needed to sort of do it to sort of pro- not, not prove, a, prove a point as such but um, make sure that it, people could hear my voice rather than a middle class ghostwriter's voice uh, it's great mate it's absolutely great it's really funny oh um, thank you and I like that you, you know it's, it's not chronological you've t- yeah. you pick subjects and then you've sort of clustered um, uh, different points in your life under those headlines yeah it's more of a memoirs than an autobiography it's not like a you know from zero to 35 it's all I in there this. isn't yeah, it yeah but spread out a little bit and it's more cl- it's more about the 
class yeah. and being working class and middle class than it is I did this then I did that and yeah. then I did this it's but. great it's really funny it's it's really it's really endearing actually it's also very vulnerable which is uh, it's just so yeah. so cool it's vulnerable in ways that maybe you didn't realise when you were writing it but it's uh, it's it's humble it's modest you're surprised at your own success you're re- you're overjoyed on a permanent basis yeah. which, <laughs> and you, you're still permanently overjoyed yeah, which I, I really I love you for that because I was for a bit and then I took it for granted like an idiot <laughs> uh, let's talk about middle class working class perspective it's not a conflict it's not a comparison but it's a perspective yes. and and not again not like myself you you, you are now um, you are ensconced in a middle class world with a, an uber middle class spouse yeah yeah Lou, Lou's very very middle class uh, growing up she saw Prince Willem and Prince Harry playing polo where I as a kid once saw a horse being put in the back of a transit van so it's so sort of different angles on stuff so um, yeah I think like I say the book's not a sort of love letter to the working classes and a hate letter to anyone else it's just looking at the different perspectives yeah. and because Lou is so middle class and my family aren't really you do see that and now my kids have arrived and now they're a weird mix of that where they'll be like mummy please can we have some water and no one knows what they are <laughs> that's what sort of prompted well, me to that's what they are. 100% yeah, middle are. class. They're, they're, yeah, like avocado on toast at the age of two, stuff like that. Well, and it's yeah. really weird because, you know, again, you know, when I married Tash, very similarly, you know, it was it, we were 50% middle class and 50% working class. Yeah. But now the, she has she has four more on her side. So yes. it's 5-1. Yeah. Um, so so now we're, we're less, than, as a family unit, we're less than 20% working class and more than 80% middle class. And therefore, it's just, it's different. You're sort of fighting yeah. for your working class well, life. Yeah. Yeah, now they're in the back of the car, it's sort of like I'm breeding more people to tell me what to do. It's like, <laughs> yeah, and you pay, you pay them for the privilege. Yeah, and I'm driving them about, like a little cab driver, like my dad used to do. So yeah. But, but you, you, one of the ways you, you, and it's all gorgeously done, um, it's a very sort of soft focus, you say that, that Lou even has middle class spending habits. Well, yeah, no, it's just certain things of like John Lewis. I'd never been into a John Lewis until I met Lou, and now it's just our house is dominated by John, Lu- John Lewis stuff. But I thought he was a bloke down the road who <laughs> sold stuff out of the back of a car. <laughs> no, it's a joke. Because it? you can't call a big department store after a bloke, can you? Well, apparently you yeah. can. <laughs> what, like the White Company. For, at the start, I didn't know what that was. I thought, quite a bit, it's a bit of a tasty name in 2021, isn't it? <laughs> can't be called that. No, but, but, um, but yeah, no, stuff but like how that. Are, how are you in that world? Do you, no. still, do you still feel slightly uncomfortable? Because it's a great story about your, your holiday to Barbados, which you didn't know whether to tell anybody about or yeah, not. Yeah, I know. I was a bit too posh. Yeah, going to Barbados. I felt just sort of guilt and shame and that I was being flashed and I was losing touch. And then, you know, on the way back, it was February just before lockdown. It was We, we went premium economy, which I was like, oh, my God, like extra legroom. And then on the way back, we could upgrade to business for like less, like really small amount. That's because they knew the pandemic was coming and it was all cheaper. But... I upgraded to business and I was like, I can't believe I've done this. And it I was like the best flight ever, but I, I didn't want to tell anyone. And then when I was getting the girls ready for school, I was like, what was the favourite bit of your holiday? And then I went, oh, well, when my chair turned into a bed and I was like nearly physically sick of like, oh my God, they're going to tell everyone at school and everyone's going to hate me and I'm, I've changed. I can't, and I still can't really cope with it. I've said that out loud now and I'm panicking, even though I've written a book. But I think it might be a comedian thing because... <gasps> Because I know other comedians, and I will not call any names out here, but there are some some very successful comedians who just don't want anybody to know where their house is. Not because mm. they're, they're worried about security or anything. They may well be, but more that they don't want anybody, anyone to know that they've got a nice house because it might form a, cause a disconnect with their audience. So, yeah. And I sort of get it, and I sort of don't get it. I mean, I went the other way, you know. Yeah. 
because I just went like, yeah, look, look at the size of my everything's great and then people I went I went too far yeah well yeah. I think I think the truth of it is what, what normally happens with a comedian you break through with truth and honesty yeah. and then after a while it's sort you of have like you start lying a yes. lot well yeah exactly <laughs> or you do just find a new way to be truthful and honest and that's what I've done in this book where yes my ha- life has changed slightly however I'll always be culturally working class but I will have access to different things and sometimes it isn't even about money it's just been invited to certain events like in the book I talk about going to Jimmy Carr's house party I just didn't know how to act or operate in it and I'd turn up and it's this beautiful big house and I, I've been to the off licence and bought six cans of beer and a bottle of tequila to give to him and I get there it's a fully stocked bar with staff and right. everyone's looking at me and laughing and, and uniforms yeah and uniforms and then Stephen Hawking goes past and I try and have a chat with him and he ignored me and he said that his well, back he, he probably didn't out. ignore you he's probably just preparing a response no he, no, he said his per- <laughs> the person that was with him said that his batteries run out and I was like oh, don't bring a charger he's at a party <laughs> But he just didn't want to talk to me, obviously. But, yeah. No. All right. Uh, you talk about Sean in the yes. book. Tell us about you and Sean Locke. Oh, Sean Locke. He was a hero of mine growing up. And it was so hard when I first did 8 out of 10 Cats to actually do the show. Because I just sat there like, oh, my God, I'm so close to Sean Locke. I felt like I had great seats. But, yeah, he was, he was, a, he was I think, a real unique comedy brain where there's loads of really funny people. And he was one of them. But most comedians, you can sort of guess where they're going to go. But with Sean Locke, no one ever knew what was going to come out of his mouth next, which I think is a real unique talent that he had. So yeah. how do you think he comes... Because I would say to you, how do you, how do you all come up with that yeah. stuff? But So you might think, well, how does he come up with that? But you might have an insight to the begin, beginnings of an answer. He didn't talk too much. He'd sort of think and it would come in and he'd, he'd sort of sit there and he wouldn't speak for a little while and just sort of soak it all up and then formulate and then it, it came out. So I think he had the confidence to not speak for a bit right. in order to work out what he's going to say and have real faith in it sort of working. And he was, yeah, it was just a, such a, a genius, really. And he's um, 15 stories high, his sitcom, which has been put back on iPlayer. It's really worth a watch. It's, it's a classic. Some great photos in the book as well, which I love. Yeah. I love the photographs of your mum and your dad. Yeah. And, um, and the, the, the te- teeth run in the family. They run in most yeah, families. <laughs> the but teeth is a strong gene in the Beckett's. If, if you get your your fingers, you know, like you do that ickle thing. What's that called when you do the ickle thing? When you go, I could squeeze your head. I squeeze your head. Oh, I yeah. From a distance. If you do that in the if, if you do that in the book around um, um, Rob's mum's and dad's mouths, you just see Rob's teeth. Oh, yes, a nightmare. We all look the same. You can tell us from a mile off at a family. But do. obviously, your mum and dad aren't related. I hope not. Is this a big revelation? No, but, gonna... the, but but you see, but you see. I think I was thinking, who does he get his teeth from? Both of them. Yeah, I know. Do you think they? I think they combine to create this. It's almost like a science experiment. You know, when people try and breed new dogs, <laughs> it's like they tried to breed a new mouth, and then it ended up with this. Think they were is... engineered, put together <laughs> yeah. like, like a boy band. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Should we just leave it there? Yeah, I think that's a nice, fantastic way to book, Rob. Oh, thank you so much. Should we have a round of applause for Rob? I think we just. Oh, we thanks, guys. Yeah. Stop it. Well Stop done. It. Rob Beckett's book is out now. Life is a working class man in the middle class world. Rob Beckett, a class act. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. 
All right, we've heard from a delicious smorgasbord of sensational guests already, but still to come, Scottish superstar Robert Carlyle tells us about the return of Sky's Cobra. The gorgeously glam Sophie Ellis Bextor flicks through her warts and all autobiography, Spinning Plates. The drama queen Sally Lindsay telling us all about her thrilling, brilliant new Channel 5 series, The Madame Blanc Mysteries. And the culinary force of nature that is Gino De Campo shares some incredible recipes and stories from his new cookbook, Gino's Italian Family Adventure. So let's get right back to the action. Dapper Dave, who's next? From the streets of Edinburgh to the corridors of Downing Street, he always delivers the goods. The superb Sky Original Cobra Cyber War is back with all episodes available from today on Sky Max. So please welcome an actor that makes a more convincing politician than some actual politicians. It's Robert Carlyle! Maybe all politicians. Hello, Robert! Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Very well, how are you? I'm good, mate, Hi. Congratulations. Um, episode one. <laughs> We have, we have to get to sleep early at night so we can get up at silly o'clock in the morning and come and do this job. I know. How do you, how do, you do this? Well, how do you do this? It's almost impossible after watching episode one of uh, season two of Cobra. It's really good, Robert. Yeah, well, well done, thank mate. you. Thank okay. you. Glad you enjoyed uh, it. Rachel, where do we start? I mean, there's a, a lot goes on. He's got quite... You know, to pick a tenure as Prime Minister, I mean, I don't think he chose his time well. No, no. I mean, after the uh, the solar storm, you think that would be enough? Yeah. And he's suddenly confronted by a cyber war. Rachel said, she said, just in the last hour on, on the radio, she said, this being Prime Minister, it's just one thing after another. <laughs> and they were all big things. Yeah, yeah. It did a great recap at the start of the episode, reminding Good. us, because by the end of the first season, Series. There was stuff going on with his daughter Ellie and his wife, and and it was yeah. So there's how long between the end of the first season and the start of the second? About a year or two. I've got no idea. It's about eighteen months. <laughs> it's possibly only eighteen months, something yeah. like that. But that there's all been, gets there's wrapped been a, up. a referendum on his leadership, yeah. and how he has handled the um, the solar storm crisis, and yeah. that's where we, we pick it up. I mean, from a prime minister prime ministerial point of view in the real world, um, you know, uh, second term for prime minister is obviously different because every you know being a you know. Prime Minister, President, whatever, elected or, or not elected, it's, it's, it's the most important job that people get appointed to that they have no experience in. What's, it wouldn't happen in the real world. You have to have done an apprenticeship, something like that. But in effect, it's your second term as Prime Minister. You know, from a dramatic point of view, what have you learned from your first term, Robert? <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing. This, this job's been, been really strange because people kind of talk to you like you're actually a politician and like you know all about these things. I mean, it was fantastic to go back into it again because, of course, you're kind of a wee bit settled, you know what I mean, in the, the role first time round. So going back in again, it was brilliant. It's a brilliantly written thing, and it was uh, it was a pleasure to go back into. But tell, tell us about that. Having the time to ease into a role that you obviously enjoy playing. You know, it, it was it was a, a difficult one at first, but it becomes easier. The, the, the better the writing, the easier it is. You know, what I mean, it's Ben Richards has just done a fantastic job on it. So. I get a little bit more background of where he's from this time. You understand that he's Do actually you feel from a bit more Sterling, like him. You know? It's difficult because he's so, I mean, thankfully, I mean, he's so unlike me. It's just, it's not me, Robert Sutherland and Robert Carlyle into entirely different people. But he, um, you know, the, the only similarity is the fact he's Scottish. And called and Robert. Bit, and called Robert, <laughs> <laughs> which was handy. So um, what goes on? What We never know how much to say and how much not to I say. I know. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one because there's a lot of big words in this, but essentially <laughs> it's, uh, it's about truth overall. You know right. what I mean? But who do you trust? Do you trust your government? the people in your government do you trust your chief of staff which is you know Anna Marshall played by Victoria Hamilton does he even trust his wife in this and he's kind of consumed by a bit of kind of paranoia yeah. it's about fake news it's about the, the, the effects of deep fake 
Well, absolutely. And yeah. it's how the destabilising effect that has on a democracy. Cyber war, a massive cyber attack on the critical infrastructure of the country, of transport, of communications, of you know emergency services, even the nuclear facilities. Yeah. So there's a lot going on, a lot in this plate. But the special effects, and you know, I mentioned this, I mentioned the word tsunami, and Rachel raised an eyebrow because that, that's like one spoiler too much. But is it though? I don't know. I, th- I think it's okay to say that. It, watching it was terrifying. It was really yeah. terrifying. I was very tense. I know. I know. <laughs> Poor Richard Dormer in that car. I know. Yeah. By the way, it was a Landy, wasn't it? So yeah, you sort of, you sort it of had think to go. If you, it'll if, be all right. If that oh, no. happens, you want to be in a Land Rover of some sort. <laughs> yeah. It was the old Disco 5, wasn't it, I think? It was an ad. Filming at sea. Film, who wants to film it? Not, I not can't, me. I, not me. Not me. <laughs> I mean, the, the poor actors that had to do that. You know not what you. I mean? Not me. I'm quite happy in the Cobra room. Nice and, nice and comfortable in yeah. there. Yeah. Where is your Cobra room, by the way? It's in Manchester, in a bunker. Right. Yeah. When you walk into it, does it, is it like when you, you know, when you go to a fancy dress party, you put on an outfit and you suddenly sort of, yeah, it changes, your, you know, mood follows action, mood follows costume, mood follows environment. It's, it's a good set because it, it's... Uh, the actual place itself has got its own roof, so it's a little kind of bunker inside the studio, so you right. feel as though you're really in it. Right. And apparently, I didn't realise this, but apparently there's only one photograph of the Cobra Room. Right. And we sort of based it, or the production designers, they based it on that photograph. So it's a kind of a, straight, a weird and wonderful place. Of oh, course, it's, it's, it's called, it's Cobra, it's Cabinet Office Briefing Room J, in fact. I didn't know that. I yes. didn't know that. That's why it's called Cobra. It'd be called Cobridge. You say Prime Minister Robert couldn't be any more different to actual Robert. Uh, but there's a yin and yang. You know yeah, no, but there's a yin and yang conversation to be had there, isn't there? Because you, because there's polarity and that helps. Yeah, I mean, maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's and maybe that's why they went for me in the first place to do it because you've got somebody again that on the surface of it's maybe not particularly likable. You right. know what I mean? Maybe maybe people still don't like him. I don't know, but. Um, if Robert London is anything as a conservative, he's perhaps socially conservative, yeah. which kind of takes that a little bit, you know. Social conservatism, social capitalism. Um, there's a conversation to be had there. And no, now we know, because we're of an age, Rob, you and I, of we are. spring chickens. By the way, the, these the, these are the spring chickens either side of us. Yeah, they are. Rachel, to your right, to my left. Fassus, to your left, to yeah. my right. Yeah. But then there are some some spring springier spring chickens behind the glass, I know. right? I've seen them all. Uh, do you know what? I, on on days here you when Alan them. Brazil's not in I'm the oldest person on the floor <laughs> Rob on the floor man listen I'm getting to be the oldest person on the set well, I you, mean how did that happen well because that's that's the deal I mean you could no. also say you're the wisest thank well you could go with that thank god you? David Higgs there what do you think people can get from a, a show like Cobra or is it just full on um, escapist entertainment what do you think I think it is escapism but I mean I think one of the the, the, the greatest things about Cobra is you know you, you see politicians or the, the, the generally you know and they're, they're a, a lectern or there's a microphone in their face and they're, they're telling you what they're going to do or they're telling you about decisions you know and what Cobra does is it takes you to the moment of that decision yeah. it takes you into that Cobra room and you see how the thought process works and you see that that decision is um, isn't made lightly, and sometimes it's a decision they maybe not necessarily want to make. So I think that's that's what, what does it for me. Uh, Robert, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. I know you got a busy day. Thank um, you. Thank very you for much, gracing Chris. us with your presence and wearing Brilliant. a shirt to match our studio. Look at that. That was deliberate. <laughs> You're awesome. A Cobra Cyber War Series Two starts tonight, nine PM. Skymax. All episodes available on demand from now. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky Virgin Radio. Ever wondered if an English antique seller would make a decent detective in France? Well, wonder no more. She created, wrote, produced and stars in the new Channel 5 thriller The Madame 
Mont Blanc Mysteries that starts on Saturday at 9pm. So please welcome a lady with all the strings to her bow. Bonjour, Sally Lindsay! <laughs> Hi! Bonjour! Bonjour! Mademoiselle Sally. <laughs> right, first things first, Sal. Go on. Right, we've got a tandem. How'd you ride one? Any tips? Oh, me and Steve Edge. We had to do sort of a... Stevie Edge, who's obviously the great actor that, that's the other lead in the show. And we had to do sort of a, a safety run with our tandem so my writing partner Sue Vincent she put the tandem in and she put it in even though she's in the show for me to write it because we do that to each other and uh, anyway so we, we did this That's tandem show oh we do it all the time <laughs> writing things the other one then has to do yes in the show yeah she, she that's her favourite thing and then she goes and I go we've got to take it out soon she goes oh come on it's funny and I go alright then so we went through the tandem and um, everyone was really concerned we couldn't do it and me and Steve Edge nailed it Absolutely nailed, nailed it. it. Absolutely nailed it. I mean, he's got very long legs, so I didn't really do much because mine are really short. Yeah, but, but you he was comfortable on it. We were all right. I know, it was all right. I know the show doesn't pivot on whether you can ride a tandem or not, but you, you absolutely smashed the tandem. Now, the tandem is it's a bit pinball machiney uh, because yes. Tash and I, we bought a tandem in lockdown. We haven't straddled it once, it's, either of us. It's, it's dead easy. You've just, you just got to get your minds to You'll be fine. You'll be absolutely fine, honestly. All right. We all watched the show, by the way. We loved it. Oh, Chris. It's very so Doralesque. Very Doralesque. Yes, it is. And That's... you're not going to be unhappy with that, are you? No, I'm not unhappy. That's exactly the... It's it's literally to have... It was an hour... I wanted an hour of sunshine. I mean, I was filming Cold Call and it was raining and I was on a car park in Manchester and I went, there's got to be something better. <laughs> I just thought, this so, can, can I film something in the sun for once and not on a car park in Manchester? Right. So that was the idea, really. And it came to, to fruition really quickly. It would have been out last year if we hadn't had um, this virus that's going round. I don't know if you've heard of it. But... Uh, yeah, so it was, um, yeah, it was an hour of sunshine, very dull arrest. That's exactly what it should so be. So you are Jean White. I am Jean White. Tell us about Jean White. Well, Jean White is uh, Madame Blanc, obviously, and uh, she's basically a very quite normal person, but she's got this superpower. She's massively observant and she's uh, she's got this photographic memory for antiques she's obsessed with antiques has been since she was a little girl and that's her thing that's the love of her life and she had this wonderful gorgeous shop in Cheshire and she was very happy and her husband used to go over and drive to south of France to the markets there get all the lovely stuff come back and sell Which it really she had this does wonderful happen. that, that is a thing happens. isn't it yeah I met a wonderful uh, lady on holiday called Jan and she did that and her husband or her went over and it's this lovely European thing that everybody goes and swaps all their stuff in the south of France and um, what's fashionable in Italy is not in England. And then they have a lovely time. I thought, God, I can't remember thinking about, wouldn't it be brilliant to be in a village like that with all those different people? And I bet there's a bit of crime goes on. And that was the, the sort of the instigation <laughs> of the of the idea, really. And obviously being a, in a rainy caravan on a yeah in a car park in Manchester. Incentivized, incentivized to galvanise my idea. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. So Jean basically has this wonderful life, but unfortunately, her husband. The first scene, he dies in a car crash on the way home right. from one of these trips. But then she finds out, unfortunately, that all was not what it seems, yeah. and her husband has basically shafted her and has another <laughs> life in the south of France yeah. and has basically spent all her money and used her expertise so therein lies the story so she has to go to Saint Victoire which is the south of France and start living this life in the south of France and she's no word of French she's absolutely rubbish terribly British rubbish. And there's a little sort of British enclave going on there as oh, well totally. which is helpful isn't it it is so we've got the amazing um, <laughs> the amazing Robin Asquith and Sue Holderness who play our expat couple and they've got the biggest house they've got the chateau on the edge of the, uh, the village 
Remind me of someone. Who, who's the posh couple that used to be... One of them was an MP. They were on Gogglebox. Totally right. Who, who are they? It's exactly who they them? are, Chris. Well done. Do you remember? <laughs> Honestly? Yeah, totally. Is that you based on? Yeah, and I just I just thought these you know these couples that move to a different country and yeah, just yeah. don't bother learning a word of that, and then they have all their food chipped in by um, Fortnum and Mason. There are other posh shops available. I'll say that, but you know, not not quite as maybe not Harris, quite as posh. But you're pretty yeah. much up there, you know. But yeah, so that that's them. They just they love the sunshine, but everything is like she's they're they're so terrible and they've never bothered her, you know. But they're hilarious and they are brilliant together. Yeah. So that's lovely. Yeah. And who's the mechanic? As a mechanic, yeah, that's Gloria. That's Sue. That's who writes the show. I know, I know. That's my pal, Sue Vincent, who writes the show with me. So she's gorgeous Gloria, the mechanic. And then there's the beleaguered dad who's the taxi driver and the handyman. I love him. Stevie Edge is a genius, isn't he? I want want Gene and him to get together. This is the idea. So we we had this sort of, we based it all on moonlighting, you know, and they never quite get together. So basically, I basically nicked a load of shows, Chris, and put them together. Hey. (laughs) At least I admit it. You're so excited about this. I'm so excited. You are. You. you are giddy, aren't you, with this one? I am. I really am. So, how many apps do we have to look? We've got to? six, but it six. grows in it as a, as a piece. So it's like there's a because I I can't stand. I'm a bit old fashioned. I like to have an ending in one hour because I'm busy, you know. And you have to come back to things. Yeah. There is an overriding arc where you get you know there's a big there's a big sort of answer to who the other woman is at the end, but you have a, a story within every hour. Yeah. A complete story, and I like that because well, I get it's so lovely. Thank you. So lovely. So it's on Channel Five. Yes. It's at Nine PM, and it starts this Saturday, and yes. there are six. And do we have to wait each week for the next one? We can't get them all on, on demand. my five. Do you know what? I'm not sure. I'm really should have found that out, shouldn't I? Right, I'm no, really sorry. So, so you might be able to watch them so, all. So I'm not Channel sure. Five very quietly are doing great business in the sort of dramedy, um, yeah, uh, knocking uh, out the park really. situation drama um, stakes. They're they're coming up on the blind side, aren't they? Well, they're hitting the the four million. Four and a half million with wow. Cold Call. When you had me off Cold Call, it was amazing. That was two and a half million, and they were out of the mine then. And it's literally gradually just, just, they're just, you know, getting better and better and better. And this is that they've had my family and other animals, not my, um, the, uh, the, the vet one. Oh, yeah, creatures great and small. That yeah. did amazing it's doing business. Doing so didn't well, it? yeah. I think we've got somebody coming on for series series two of that. That's doing so well, yeah. Well so. done, Channel Five. I remember Channel Five was for sale for less than most radio stations a few years ago, and and somebody bought it, and they've just absolutely polished it into, you know, they've a bit of alchemy going on there. Thanks to employing people like you, for heaven's sake. Absolutely. <laughs> how did you find the island? It's beautiful. No, how did you find it? Oh, though? found it. Yeah. It was actually uh, Ben Frown said. Coldwell from Channel Five, who who said Ben you... Frow? Yeah, Ben Frow is the genius. I have created... known Ben for years. He's he's the one who's created Channel Five. You said there's some maverick behind well, it because he worked for Sky. Didn't yeah, he? Well, that, no, uh, ITV. I don't know, but no, that's... he worked for Sky when I had a meet. No, he worked for ITV as well. He actually started up in wardrobe. Yeah, well, Ben is the he's the he's the maverick behind Channel Five. Wow. So the one you mentioned makes sense. Yeah, so it's Ben. So Ben's the one who you know who's created everything. I went to see Ben about a TV show ten or fifteen years ago at Sky, and he was smashing. He was so confident, but he wasn't confident for the sake of being confident. He was confident because he's a big fan of television. Yeah, he, he is. loves telly. He was a proper super fan of telly, and you know, all the best channel heads ever in television have been fans of. And he also loves his audience, that's and that's it, the thing about well, Ben. He is his audience. Yeah, he that's just it. loves his audience, and he lo- and he makes things for his audience. Well done, Ben. <laughs> ben used to rent a room off Susie, my girlfriend. <laughs> So there you go, yeah. So Ben and Seb Caldwell, Wait, I mean, they're ben amazing. Ben and I used to fight for the shower in the morning. I said, who's this guy? Oh, it's Ben, he won't be staying here long. He stays forever. There you go. Fine. 
Yeah. But he's the one. Yeah, so well he's done, the one who's... He, and, he, and he's been so brilliant with me. He just basically go, yeah, go on then, do it. He's really what that person, you know, and he's it's... cool. He's so cool, yeah. He's I can't cool. believe you know him. I know him. Well, I used to know him really, really well. Um, oh. Well, well done, Ben Frau, and well done, Madame Blanc, uh, The you. Mysteries. From this Saturday, well done to everyone at Channel 5 for this another smash hit from Channel 5, 9pm, Channel 5, The Madame Blanc Mysteries. Thank you so much. Merci beaucoup. <laughs> Merci à beaucoup. À tout à l'heure. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. She famously committed a murder on the dance floor and got away with it. And with her freedom, she's written a book. Her new memoir, Spinning Plates, Music, Men, Motherhood and Me, is out now. So please welcome the queen of pop that's a dab hand at penning prose. It's Sophie Ellis Beckstar. Hi, Soph. <laughs> Good morning, Chris. Congratulations. So you've been up bright and early um, for the most secret filming other than um, the No Time to Die, the brand new Bond movie. Um, <laughs> we can't really talk about what you've been filming. Not yet. Yeah, apparently it's just a bit frustrating <laughs> but it's really exciting yeah I'm, it was yeah, a nice little thing that came along can funny. we can we talk around it a little bit how did it happen how come you were you were sort of um asked to be involved yeah. so i filmed a cameo in something basically a long running something yes um and good good tease long running <laughs> something what might that be in fact i found out it's 35 years old so we can even narrow the search maybe okay um it's a non-british non-british long running yeah tv Legend. Yes, okay. and uh, yeah, I played myself, you know, which is a stretch. Did but you I, I managed, yes. Well, that's a funny one, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, really weird. I know. How do you play yourself, so? Because um... you can't play, you ha- you can't be, you have to actually judge it up a bit, don't you? Yeah, I think. Oh, I think I accidentally judged myself down. Oh, yeah, all down. I mean, that's because you're an actor. Because you, oh, no, I should have judged pro- up. No, no, I, I always get that wrong. No, no, I think you probably got it right, actually. <laughs> Um, but yeah, it was fun anyway. And I think, yeah, very soon I'll be able to stop being annoying and not actually talking about the centre of my conversation point. Um, your yeah. book is fantastic. Oh, that's kind. Um, Sophie Edspex is Spinning Place, same title as her podcast, Music Men, Motherhood and Me. You didn't mean to write this, but you did. How do you accidentally write a whole autobiography? <laughs> yeah. Um, so last year I was approached by Hodra about doing a book and initially the idea was it would be a series of essays. Right. I suppose pertaining to some of the themes that come up in the podcast podcast hence it having the same name as the podcast yes so i sat down sat down to start writing and then i thought oh i think i know what i'm doing here i think i'm, I'm going to go for an autobiography i think i'm just going to write everything and i didn't really know how else to do it but i really enjoyed it but i think the device of the essays really helped me because yeah. it meant that i could sort of jump around different topics and that's why you'll get a chapter that like a whole chapter dedicated to like bad hairdos that i've had yeah. or i don't know when i had panic attacks or something and i just just compartmentalised Well, it breaks it down, doesn't it? It's, mm. it's less of a mountain to climb. It's like exactly. we said last week, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? It's not dissimilar to yeah. this. You know, you talk about some of the, the most pleasurable experiences, some of um, uh, the, the worst experiences one could imagine um, in your life, and you talk about whether or not you thought you would write about these particular experiences, mm. but you've, you've gone to some places you thought you'd never... Well, you've gone to the whole book that you thought you'd never go to <laughs> yes. before. And then you play catch-up. It's hilarious um, because towards the end of the book, you think, oh, I haven't done any embarrassing moments. So you just do like oh, loads of... I know, yeah. but it's great that you just put them all in one bit. Here's the embarrassing <laughs> stories bit. Here, yeah, here's the advice for life bit. You know, here's the... Here's, yeah. I love it when you were first interviewed as a pop star at the age of 18 and you didn't realise you weren't supposed to tell the truth in these interviews. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and, and now weirdly I've sort of come back 
back round to speaking very openly again, I think. Um, but yeah, my first instinct when I started was always to say what I thought. Yeah. And then I learned people don't really do that. No, and you gave opinions on everything as an 18-year-old would. Yes, Could. absolutely. And, and I was maybe should. right about everything, obviously, because that's yeah, what yeah. you think when you're 18. Yeah. Okay, now because you have a million children, <laughs> yes. a lot of the books is about your million children. Yes, um, we uh, both have millions of children. Well, no, we? you, well, it's 5-4. Five, it's, it's, five, it's five all as far as I'm concerned, but it's 5-4 as far as you and Tasha are concerned. Yeah. Please don't encourage her to go for the equaliser. If she wants another one, you know what it's like. Once it's in your ideas in your head, it's yeah. very hard to get out of that space. Uh, but some some stories about your life that I'd never heard before, to do to do with, you know, your first one, for example, mm. which was no easy um, passage, and then your sister, your younger sister, which gave you sort of an insight into premature birth. Yeah. And your amazing mum, who, who gave you some fantastic advice not, and ongoing. Yes. Because she's been on your podcast as well, hasn't she? Yes. Uh, but also, just tell us about what she said when you, when you about getting married and about marriage. She gave, she gave you three specific bits of advice. She did. Let me see if I can remember. So the first one where she said was the night before she went, you don't have to go through with it, yeah. <laughs> which I'm hoping was a joke. Uh, the second one... Well, somebody's got to tell you that. I mean, that's in Mamma Mia, the musical, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, just yeah, before she, she, slipping she, through my fingers! <laughs> she said it was... Yeah, exactly. She said it was the same advice her mum had given her hey, you don't have to go through that um, she told me to be selfish for my marriage actually yeah. and if I was in a quandary whether to choose doing something with Richard or something with kids that it's absolutely fine to pick doing something with your husband yeah. um, and what's the third bit of advice I've got it here actually oh good thank um, you here we this go. is why I have to write everything down here we go hang on a second <laughs> page 156 um, be selfish about your marriage if you have to sometimes choose between the kids and your husband choose your husband the third don't expect to be happy all the time oh yes of course you should hope to be happily married but happiness every day shouldn't be expected sometimes you're just uh, getting by and that's part and parcel yeah there's a lot of my mum's advice in that book to be fair she's always giving me advice yeah but she's super cool isn't she she is and you were you were very close um uh, as you know, as a mother and daughter relationship, because um, I mean, you know, they all say, don't they, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. But she was always there for you. Yes. Yeah. What, what's the what's what are you thinking about passing on? What have you heard yourself saying already to your kids that your mum said to you? Um, oh, golly. I mean, there's a lot of, I, you know, it's like as a parent, I'm repeating a lot of themes over and over with the hope that, you know, maybe 10% sort of sink, starts to sink in. Yeah. Um, we talk a lot about kindness, but we also talk a lot about just trying to, I don't know, help in the kid, in the house. I get very frustrated if one of the kids is mean to the other one when they just say the things that make them happy. So I don't like that quashing of things. So we talk a lot about home should be the place where you feel you can be exactly the full 360 version of yourself. And then hopefully from that foundation, I can grow happy, resolved, kind people. That's was, the end game. I, I was glued to... Well, I read the whole book yesterday. I didn't think I was going to read the whole book, to be honest, but I read the whole book from start to finish. And I... I was just glued to the to the, the parenting bits and you and Rich and how you met, you know, and how you were with other people in the beginning. Um, because obviously, you know, once, and this is this is no slight on anybody that's got less than four children, <laughs> but when it gets to four, it's absolute mayhem, isn't it? Absolute chaos. And I can't imagine, well, I can just about imagine what five's like. But in a way, because it's so uncontrollable, it's liberating. I would agree with that. I found the hardest bit is when I had three because I was still trying to be all things to all people. Yeah. And once I got to four, it's just, you just give up on that yeah, notion. Yeah. So I am actually more relaxed with more than I was with less. Okay, this book is awesome. Um, Sophie Ellis-Bexter, Spinning Plates, Music, Men, Motherhood and Me. And the same title for her podcast, which is in season five, I think it is now. It is, it? yeah, yeah. yeah.
It's quite grown up Thank now. you, Sophie. <laughs> Have a you. lovely day. You too. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. If you want someone to cook up a storm in both your kitchen and on your telly, our next guest is your man. His new cookbook, Gino's Italian Family Adventure, Easy Recipes the Whole Family Will Love, is out later this month. So please welcome a chef that's jazzy, snazzy and incredibly pizzazzy. It's the one and only Gino De Campo! All right, Buongiorno. Gino! Buongiorno! Andiamo al bar adesso! Subito! 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 Andiamo al bar! Subito! How are you, mate? I am super excited to be here. Well, you are super excited and you're super fantastic, is what you are, Gino. Uh, Listen, I. I've been doing this job now for 21 years and then we'll tell our story, Chris, because I think people should know it's that. It's up to you, mate. It's up to you. And, uh, uh, you know, when to be on the Chris Evans show, you know, you know that you made it. Can I you're, say you're that? You're either on the way up or the way down. No, no, uh, listen, <laughs> we're very high. We're, we're very high when the studio is, so I can say on the way up. Actually, you're right. Up. I've never thought about that before. Listen, the, 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 I, th- I think it's very clever, the fact that you have a studio. I think you probably have the highest radio uh, studio ever. Yeah, right? it's, it's, it's the best good. view. It's the best view in the business. Look at that out there. Beautiful, beautiful, superb, beautiful. But thank you so much for having me here. I really appreciate Gino, that. Gino, you are more than welcome. You are flying high, my friend, yourself. <sighs> you are far away from my house, though, I have to say. Two hours and ten minutes to come down here. From Next sa- time... Is, is that let- Sardinia? No, no, that's what I mean. <laughs> Next time, we could have flown to Sardinia. I know, I know. It would have been one hour and 50 minutes. I know. Okay, now this book, uh, Gino's Italian Family Adventure, it's about family recipes. It features his family. It features stories about his heritage. And Now, over or under lockdown, um, yeah. or in lockdown, whichever, however you want to describe it, uh, you went back to your family home in Sardinia, didn't you? Yes. Uh, I, we, 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 everybody went there. Just for people who don't know about Sardinia and have never been, and it's probably within their gift to themselves to be able to go, but they've not thought about it. It's one of the most beautiful places on the planet. You are absolutely right. Two hours away from London. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I discovered, I only discovered Sardinia about 12 years ago. I never been on the island. And, uh, you know, you go all over the world with your kids, with your family to, you know, just to the Maldives, to the the Caribbean. Long way away. Long way away. But then we went to Sardinia and I'm thinking, wait a second, this is paradise. This is paradise. Not only they have the sea and the beaches like uh, Maldives and, and the Caribbean, yeah. but then you have Italian food, Italian wine, yeah. Italian people. So you really have the best of everything yeah. in one island. Yeah. Very affordable as well. It's yeah, not and, that. And Corsica you know. is not dissimilar. I know Corsica is French. It's next door. It's it's still, it's equally as stunning. Uh, yeah, but it's French. I don't really like, uh, <laughs> I you know. I, you know He's I, a French. It's French. He's I mean, French. let's not be here and talk about Fr- I don't like the French people. I don't like anything you that do. is French. You like all people. Um, all right. Uh, so do we tell our story now or not? Uh, I think you. we should. I think we should because not many people knows this story. I never told the story. You never told the story let's, uh, let's not it's up to you I think we should say that because I, I will be I, I have to be eternally grateful to you right and, no, and, and well, don't tell that, the story because that oh, I, I'm going to tell the story because I'm, I, I have the chance now to say thank you in but, person oh, no, you don't, oh. yes yes people they need to know that when I started my career over 20 years ago you were the one who saw me first uh, who believed in me and you took me in to a show called the Terry and uh, Gabby show 
with uh, the almighty uh, Terry Wogan. And uh, for me, it was the first time ever to be on a, on a big channel. And uh, you just took the punt. Uh, for me, it was a very dark time at the moment. I know, I and uh, you, I remember I met you in the lift. I had a long leather jacket <laughs> and I came to you. I was in order. I mean, we were all, uh, we still are in order, you, because you are the ultimate stop rock star. Yeah, you stop are it, the ultimate it, rock star. So you have stop to. And I remember I asked you, I said, ah, Mr. Evans, are you sure that this is what you want for your show? And you went, I don't care what people have done in the past. I care what people can do today. And that is something that I will never forget. So well, thank you. Yeah. And you got me on the show and then where everything started. By the way, you smashed it. What, did, what happened on this morning yesterday? You took over the competition. I took over the competition <laughs> because some <laughs> those two, they call him. A woman won £2,000 yesterday. Well right? done, well done. Well, I thought she would have been super excited. I would have been super excited if I win £2,000. Yes. She was... I don't know. She was like, yeah, whatever. She was like getting a phone call from a, a phone company that they're trying to, to change her uh, uh, mobile phone. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's like, come on, where, where is the enthusiasm here? I think she was over. Is he overwhelmed? Maybe. Or maybe. she was over maybe she was distra- Maybe she had other things on her mind. You know, we got to give her the... Well, don't pick up the phone to this morning then if you got other things in your mind. Give her the chance to someone else, Chris. Don't make excuses. <laughs> okay. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know. I'm just trying to highlight some creases here. Uh, but Holly and Phil... Uh, um, they're your pals. Now, you 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 love being on this one, and this morning loves you being on it. It's very Terry and Gabby-esque. I mean, you know, that's very, what you cut, cut you Very, to. very, very. And, um, and you first appeared in the studio after a break of 277 days, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, nearly, yeah, pretty, pretty much how nine, was ten it, months. How, how did it feel to be back? We've talked to a lot of people about their first time back doing what they love after not being able to do it for a year and a half. Uh, to be honest, it was, was like I haven't been back for a week. Right. Because I still talk to the Philip and Holly, yeah. so everything's sort of... When I go to this morning, it's not really work for me, Chris. It's, it's just going to see some mates. Like right now, yeah, yeah, yeah. right? I, I, I probably most... like I forgot that I'm on the radio. It's like just having a chat with you. And the same thing is with this morning. I go there, I enjoy... I say pretty much whatever I uh, I shouldn't say. What is the gallery like? Are they on tenterhooks? Oh my lord! This is the, the gallery is always with the, with the buttons ready to press the red button to mute me. Right. Uh, but you know what? Uh, we did uh, fourteen years now on this morning. Really? Never got in uh, trouble yet. By the way, looking good, pal. Looking very good. You oh. are. It has to be said. Oh. You're awesome, Gino. Oh, thank you, you thank awesome. you, thank you for having me on. Gino's Italian family adventure. Easy recipes for the whole family. Will love. It's available now and. It's a cracker. The best of the Chris Evans Breakfast Show with Sky. Virgin Radio. Thank you so much for listening to this, the podcast of the Virgin Radio Breakfast Show. Don't forget you can subscribe and get it every week from wherever you get your podcast and you will never miss the weekly roundup of all the best bits from our Virgin Radio Breakfast Show with Sky. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.